1899, a relatively small silver discovery about 14 miles south of present-day Tonopah by James Court and T.J. Bell resulted in the small mining community of Southern Klondike. Little did they know at the time that this small strike would lead to some of the richest discoveries in the United States and elevate Nevada out of an economic depression that the state has been suffering since 1893. Within 20 miles of Klondike, the towns of Tonopah and Goldfield would flourish, bringing thousands of people to central Nevada. My name is Mike Lee, and welcome to episode 11 of the Sawtooth Chronicles, stories about central Nevada and its environs. When it's night time in Nevada, I'm dreaming of the old days on the desert and you. I'll miss you when the campfires are cleaning And I'll wonder if you miss me too I can't see the great divide And the trails we used to ride That's the only bit of heaven I knew When it's nighttime in Nevada, I'm dreaming of the old days on the desert and you. Thanks to the Peavine Pickers for their rendition of Nighttime in Nevada originally sung and recorded by Roy Rogers and the Sons of the Pioneer. Before we get started, I would just like to thank the Klein family for their time, effort, and love of Tonopah. They have lovingly restored the Mispa Hotel, created the Tonopah Brewing Company with great beer and eats, and restored the old Weinberg and Spirits Warehouse, now called the Old Brewery Hostel. They have just opened and restored the magnificent Belvada Hotel. These historic establishments are well worth to stop and check out. Check their websites for all the information. Thanks again, Kleins, for all you've done for my hometown. T.J. Bell and James Court, the discoverers of Southern Klondike, were well known in central Nevada. Thomas Jefferson Bell arrived in Belmont shortly after his discovery and operated the stage from Austin to Belmont in the early 1870s and Belmont to Tybo in the late 1870s. He also owned the Cloverdale Ranch at the southern end of the Toyabis and was used as an overnight stop on the Sotaville to Belmont stage line. Bell was also state senator from Nye County in 1898. James G. Court lived in San Antonio about 25 miles southwest of Belmont. Court's wife, Elsie, was appointed the postmaster at San Antonio in 1896. He had a considerable holdings and was a member of the several fraternal organizations in Belmont. In 1894, he was elected to the Nevada State Assembly. In 1899, Court and Bell left Belmont on a prospecting trip to a promising area about 50 miles south of Belmont. Sometimes in the mid-April, they discovered two parallel ledges which appeared to be good ore. They named the ledges the Bale Ledge and the Court Ledge. Initial assays of the Court Ledge revealed silver value as high as 1,200 ounces per ton, whereas the Bale Ledge had only 54 ounces of silver per ton and a quantity of gold. The remote location of the discovery, as well as the lack of water, slowed development of the town and mines. The nearest wells were approximately 12 miles west at Alkali. 
After several attempts, a well was finally sunk within three miles of Klondike to the west. Rumors were circulating around Belmont about their discovery. So Court and Bell sent a letter to the local newspaper, the Belmont Courier, that was published in May 20, 1899, to dispel the rumors. The letter stated the correct location of the strike and that the work on the shaft was proceeding well. Work on the shafts had begun immediately and eight men were working the claims. A tunnel had already been sunk 75 feet on one of the ledges. The new strike was named Southern Klondike after the enormous strikes in the Canadian Klondike. Word of the strike had spread throughout central Nevada and H.A. Cohen, representing the Delamar Mining Company, was sent to Klondike to evaluate the mines and possibly purchase the same. In August, the company sent a well-known mining man, Ernest Shandell, to further examine the mines and determine their value. Court and Bell had high enthusiasm about the value of the claims. However, no one could determine how much the mines might produce. Therefore, they could not come to an agreement, and the Delmar Mining Company bowed out. Accompanying Shandell was Nye County Recorder Wills Brower. Brower, along with Jim and Bell Butler and Tasker Audie, would develop the mines in Tonopah, making Brower very wealthy. Many residents from Belmont visited Southern Klondike and state claims. Among the new claim owners were Nye County Sheriff Thomas Logan and Frank Brotherton, Belmont's postmaster. They entered into a partnership with Will Bauer to work some claims. Another well-known family in Central Nevada, the Clifford family of Stone Cabin, had also began to develop claims. With the Delmar Mines backing out, capital needed for swift development was not available, so each claims had one or two men. The population was several dozen and all lived in tents. To work the mines year-round during the brutal of Central Nevada winter we all know of, more permanent buildings were needed. Belmont, at its height, had a population of about 2,000 people. However, with the closing of the mines, population had dwindled to around 200, and there were several vacant buildings in town. The lumber from these vacant buildings was valuable, and like other towns throughout Nevada, Klondike was built from the vacant buildings from Belmont. Will Sprower and Logan tore down the old Belmont Brewery and transported the lumber to Klondike in November 1899. Lumber was also transported from Silver Peak, 23 miles west. Logan, Clifford, Nay, Audie, and Brower were all involved in Klondike. However, one person would overshadow them all, and that would be Jim Butler. We all know the story. Klondike would have probably developed further if it had not been for the discovery of Tonopah by Jim Butler. The population of Klondike eventually topped 100 men working the mines. With the growth of Tonopah and Goldfield, the population dwindled, however the mines still kept producing. A post office was established on March 26, 1901 with James Court as the postmaster. On March 26, 1901, Court was replaced by Jenny Terrell. The population had dwindled to about 50 and the post office closed on March 14, 1903. All mail was handled through Tonopah. The town consisted of several frame buildings and tents. Water was brought in from Klondike Wells via water wagon, approximately three miles west of Klondike. Klondike Wells was also the stop on the Tonopah and Goldfield Railroad, and ore was shipped to Millers from about 1910 through 1915. Several mines were in operations from 1901 to 1907. In June 1902, Bell and Court sold their claims to the Tonopah Mining Company. The Silver Knight Mine, owned by H.C. Donnell and F.F. Rever, was a constituent producer. The Cliffords from Stone Cabin opened a mine named the Clifford Mine and was organized in San Francisco and finally the Tonopah Mining Company. The claims were worked intermittently throughout the years and finally ceased operations in 1942 when all mining was restricted by presidential order at the beginning of World War II. 
One hilarious event worth noting occurred in Klondike, as reported by the Goldfield Tribune, March 9, 2013. The banner reads, Picture films are taking at Klondike Camp. Governor Audi shown with wheelbarrow. Three automobiles yesterday brought to the camp from Tonopah the moving picture people who are taking films depicting the history of the Great Silver Camp. James Golden, acting as the mine manager, and Governor Audi as a miner, pushing his wheelbarrow of ore from the tunnel and dumping it at the chloride table. Maurice Sullivan appeared as a miner seeking work and was given a job by manager Golden. Mrs. Sullivan also appeared, clad in regulation mining camp khaki, and was also giving employment, presumably running the boarding house. One of the scenes depicted Governor Audi working as a miner, breaking open a piece of rock, showing it to the mine boss, and as the later pronounces it high grade, waving his hat triumphantly and showing his patriarchal hairless dome. Mr. Golden had prepared an elaborate luncheon for the visitors, but the Tonopah-based contingent hastened back in order to proceed to Miller's and take films of the big mills there. This article is found in the booklet Between Tonopah and Goldfield by Alan H. Patera. There are no buildings still standing in Klondike, only mine dumps and foundations of structures. In 2004, one builder remained, however, it since has been torched by an arsonist. To go to Klondike, head south on Highway 95 to Goldfield for about 10 miles. You'll see a dirt road heading east. Take this road for about two miles into the hills and you'll be at Klondike. I've posted the GPS coordinates for Klondike on my Sawtooth Chronicles Facebook page. When you think about it, it's amazing how such a small strike could lead to changing history and saving Nevada. Discovery of Klondike is one of these. This concludes episode 11 of the Sawtooth Chronicles. I'd like to thank Alan H. Patera, who authored the book Between Tonopah and Goldfield, A History of Klondike, Gold Reef, and Divide. I've also used Ghost Towns and Mining Camps by Stanley Payer, a must-have on any Nevada bookshelf. References used in this episode can also be found on the South Tooth Chronicles Facebook page. This episode and other episodes can be found on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you obtain your podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss one. And spread the word. If you don't listen to podcasts, you can go to the Sawtooth Chronicles Facebook page and click on the link. If you have any questions or suggestions, please leave a message or IM me on Facebook. Thanks again for your support and to the music of the Peavine Pickers and Dave Stamey. Nighttime in Nevada was written by Richard W. Pascal, Will Dumich, and H. O. Riley Clint. Tonopah was written and performed by Dave Stamey. This podcast has been written and produced by me, Mike Lee, edited by my wife, Linda, and my technical advisors, Oliver, with Coco as our intern. This has been Episode 11 of The Sawtooth Chronicles. Carry my saddle by the side of the road. Hard rain's falling, wind blowing cold. East across the mountains, head of battle scene. Telling me it's time to hurry home. Lights glowing, the cars hurry past, just like the years 
are flowing so fast If I can get there I know I'll be warm Aching in my bones will soon be gone I fear the darkness of this coming storm I'd journey back Calling me back to Tony Paul. 